You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. On today's show, there's a ton of games this week with playoff implications as there's still six spots that haven't been clinched in the AFC, two spots still available in the NFC. And right now the Ravens and the Chargers are on the outside looking in. Also, the Niners might have to turn to Trey Lance in Week 17 as they still look to claim a playoff berth. But before we get to any of that stuff, Aaron Rodgers met with the media today and decided to give a little hint at retirement. I don't know if it's the uh, COVID-19 backlash that he's been facing or, you know, the impending uh, offseason move that he could be looking at. But uh, we had to open the show to... uh, discuss Aaron Rodgers' comments, and I give the floor to Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Yes, sir. So he basically, they asked him, you know, hey, how are you feeling about retirement? Doesn't sound like you're going to retire next year. Seems like uh, you're pretty happy and you, you know, want to keep playing. You keep saying that you want to play through your 40s, and he immediately starts his answer with, I wouldn't rule that out, and then goes on a uh, 50 uh, or 500-word rant that i had to transcribe and that's why the podcast is a little late basically it sounds like he's pretty happy with where the team has kind of taken those next steps uh under general manager brian gutekunst he's talked about you know the additions of veterans like devondra campbell who's you know playing at a borderline pro bowl level um inside linebacker russell douglas who was voted as a pro bowl alternate as a pickup off of the practice squad and then obviously um Trading for his buddy, Randall Cobb, seems to have made the difference. It sounds like he's not thinking about joining any other team in 2022, but that he he legitimately does not know if he's going to come back or not. He did say he won't drag it out for months and months, which I will hold him accountable to because I want a summer this year. So it sounds like he's going to come back, but, you know, there's still a chance that, you know, retirement is, is coming. I love the idea of him being kind of frustrated with, uh, you know, his comments on COVID-19 and vaccinations and things like that. And then just being like, well, how about if I just retire? How how about if I just retire? What are you guys going to think about it then? Like, that's that's kind well, the of team lied for him. Like. I mean, they did lie for him. The, the whole thing where he wasn't wearing masks, you know, for the media. Now he's doing Zoom interviews and stuff like that. The, the team very obviously knew what was going on and they weren't the only team, you know, Kirk Cousins was dealing with some of that stuff too. And I, I believe Josh Allen was another one. Um, and then the NFL stepped in and was like, Hey, we've been letting this go for way too long. Every, everyone take a timeout and, and we're going to start getting unvaccinated guys on zoom again. But the team did lie for him for, for months. So 
there there was some what to there at least from the franchise level um i'm just happy he's not going to be a denver bronco because damn man i'm tired of these denver broncos fans in my mentions so we'll continue to monitor that. Uh, you don't have to worry about him retiring right now as the Packers still try to pursue another Super Bowl. But uh, we'll keep an eye on the Aaron Rodgers watch this offseason. I think I forgot to welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation as well. He always joins us, of course. Yeah, he's here, unfortunately. We do. <laughs> before we get into some of these games from the past week, uh, we got to get into a little Jaguars talk because the Jacksonville Jaguars fan base has kind of started a social media campaign. They've kind of taken over Twitter the last couple of days. If you're a big football fan, you've been following Jags Twitter at all as they began their coaching search. Uh, it sounds like they've got a list of coaches out there. They're for sure going to interview former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson later this week. Um, you know, the Jags are a dumpster fire right now after the Urban Meyer hire and Trevor Lawrence having a pretty bad rookie season, but it's still a coveted job because it's an NFL head coaching job. And Trevor Lawrence has still got plenty of upside and there's going to be a coach who thinks like I can come in and I can fix Trevor. But then there's that guy, Trent Balky, who is still hanging around from the last regime that nobody seems to like, and it makes it an undesirable job. So we'll kind of see how this plays out for Jacksonville, but it should be fun. It will be fun, but, 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 they can ruin this very easily. And if Trent Baalke is around, based on everything that he's ever done, they're probably going to mess it up. I think we talked about it a little bit before he came on here. You just have to get rid of him, man. And if it, if it takes the peer pressure of social media and you have to succumb to that, then so be it. But I just don't imagine this working out well if it involves Baalke moving forward. But, I mean, you have Trevor Lawrence. You have this shiny number one overall pick. You would think – you'd be able to get in a guy, you know, that really knows what he's doing. But again, you are still the Jaguars. And we talked about, you know, Trevor Lawrence breaking a franchise passing record this season or this week upcoming. It's, it shouldn't be uh his, the passing numbers shouldn't be that low for a team. You would think coming in, whoever it is, whether it's Byron Leftwich, whether it's Kellen Moore, uh, they're able to bring some stars with him. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. They have a long way to go. But it's interesting to see some of the coaching names. And we, are, we also talked about uh, Dan Quinn and how he already kind of rejected them. So I don't know. What, what direction do you think they're going to go, Justice? The, the biggest surprise to me was the fact that Josh McDaniels didn't get an interview. You know, he was a guy who had been tabbed for that. You know, if Urban wasn't there, it seemed like the cons, for whatever reason, um, had, had been big, pretty big fans of him. Um, so, you know, yesterday, the, the new rules in the NFL are you can start interviewing head coaching prospects the last two weeks of the season. Um, that hadn't always been the case, right? I think everyone remembers, like, Kyle Shanahan, like, what was it, the day before the Super Bowl uh, for the Atlanta Falcons where he was, yeah. like, named the 49ers head coach um, because the interview process is happening so late. So the Jaguars were able to get um, early inter interviews. We haven't seen any more leak out today, so it sounds like, their list of eight is kind of like their list of eight. Um, McDaniels wasn't on that list. That's surprising to me. But the bulky thing, man, like get rid of him. Like that dude is a politician. That guy ran off Jim Harbaugh from the NFL. That dude has made it through three now going on to his third coaching staff in Jacksonville. And mind you, he was promoted to general manager after the initial general manager was fired. Right. So like, Everything anyone has ever said about Balky is this dude is a slimy politician. Like that is probably not who you want running this search. Um, the prospect 
of the Jaguars head coaching opening, I think is less prestigious than offensive coordinator. I would say like if you're an up and coming quarterbacks coach who wants to get an offense coordinator job and then jump up to a head coach, why not lock yourself into Trevor Lawrence? Right. I think that makes way more sense than the head coaching opening being highly coveted and getting a guy to say, yeah, day one, I'm stepping in and I'm in a political battle with Trent Baalke. Like that just seems like a crap situation. With that being said, there's only 32 of these jobs. And, you know, you, you were saying there's some guys who think like, yeah, I, I can turn this around. I'll be the guy to make it work for Trevor Lawrence. The other, the other side of the coin is there's just guys who will take the job and take the money. Like you think David Coley was like, I could turn Houston around and be a Super Bowl contender. No, he was like, I can make $5 million per year and they'll have to pay me that in cash. Like someone will take this gig. Um, I don't think it's going to be like Kellen Moore or anything like that. The fact that Doug Peterson could take that gig is very interesting to me. Um, him and Lawrence having some sort of repertoire is kind of interesting, but I, I don't know. None, none of these coaches who were who kind of on that list really do it for me. Like, are we getting that excited for Nathaniel Hackett? Are we getting that excited for Dan Quinn? I, I don't know. Yeah. I think the, the issue with, you know, attaching yourself to an up and coming OC is let's say it's Doug Peterson. He's probably going to bring somebody from his tree or he's going to call the plays, whether even if it's Kellen Moore, even if it's Byron Leffert. So uh, the odds that we see somebody who, you know, we've never heard of or a mini McVay out there that the Jags might want to bring in, like that'll be tough if he's on the outside. I just feel like Jacksonville's going to screw it up no matter what. Like even Same if they man. get rid of Trent Balky, like you know, we're going to see a report that they're interviewing Adam Gase or something. <laughs> like <laughs> David Gettleman. You're like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah Gettleman's going to get let go, and then he's going to be the first person they talk to. Like it, it's just Jacksonville. It's a franchise that somehow made it to an AFC championship game not that long ago. And it's just totally unraveled since then. With Nathaniel Hackett. And then they canned him. And then he went to Green Bay. And he's probably going to go to like three straight NFC championship games as OC. And they interviewed him to be a head coach. Very odd process. There's also like, you know, Byron Leftwich is somebody that they're taking a look at. And I think Byron Leftwich should be a head coaching candidate, probably be based on what he's done as an offensive coordinator. But if you believe everything that's been put out there about his relationship with Jacksonville, like Jacksonville and that organization was not kind to Byron Leftwich when they drafted him and the way that they treated him. So it's still one of those jobs. So like Byron could say, Oh, I'll, I'll put it in the past and, and I'll come try to coach up Trevor Lawrence. But yeah, it just feels like Jacksonville's inevitably going to screw this up because that's what they do. Uh, money solves a lot of issues though, too. I mean, if you, if you look at, you know, Oklahoma, I know this is a college gig, so it's a little bit different, but everyone says like Brent Venables, you know, wasn't treated so great by Oklahoma and Bob Stoops at the end of that run. You know, he ends up going from the de defensive coordinator from Oklahoma to Clemson, well, now Bob Stoops is the interim head coach at Oklahoma and Venables gets hired as the head coach. So, like, there's a lot of that stuff going around, too. So, I don't know. Sometimes money solves a lot of these issues. And at the end of the day, there's only 32 of these uh, jobs. Like, how, how many more people are going to come knocking for Byron Leftwich? How many more teams have the want to to hire him as a head coach beyond Jacksonville, who's already had him, you know, starting at quarterback? You know what I mean? Like, that's a very rare thing to see in sports. Hey, Byron, we know that things didn't end well here. We have Trevor Lawrence. Here's $7 million. Go figure it out. 
Are you going to say no to that? Because I'm not going to say no to that. Uh, I, I would imagine it would be easy for him to swallow whatever was in the past once he sees that check. Yeah, take take the cash. Even if it doesn't work out, just take the cash, Byron. I, I, I'm with you on that. I Florida do too, right? The taxes. The taxes. They love to talk is. about it. Yeah, yeah. Take the take the money and run. That's that's what Adam Gase has been doing his entire NFL career. So, <laughs> so that's that's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers coming off a loss against the Tennessee Titans. Get the Houston Texans this week, but Jimmy G is in doubt for this game, and now there's all kinds of turmoil again with the San Francisco 49ers and the reported relationship between Jimmy Garoppolo and head coach Kyle Shanahan. Uh, it's not really clear just yet if Jimmy's going to be available this week, which would mean that rookie quarterback Trey Lance could get the starts. Is there a scenario here, KP, where like if Jimmy doesn't go and somehow Trey Lance comes in and looks fantastic and like plays over the next two weeks that the Niners would roll with Trey Lance headed into the playoffs because of this bad relationship between the head coach and quarterback? I think there's a strong chance that that happens. And that's probably what ends up happening. So Shannon spoke today and he said that Garoppolo has a grade three sprain, but he has a chance to play. So he said on the third degree sprain, he had a torn UCL and he also has a ligament like torn off of his bone. So he's making it sound like it, it's really like it's a serious injury. But then he comes out and say, well, he's going to go out to practice and see if he can play. And he has a chance to play on Sunday, even after like doctors who do this for a living have said that that's a four to five week injury and maybe even, you know, six week injury. Uh, Drew Brees had this similar injury in 2019 and he was out from week two to week eight, I believe. So to think that Jimmy's going to miss like what, 10 days and be fine. Just it, it doesn't make much sense. I think there's a money issue in his contract where if he would have practiced today, he would have missed out on some money. That's probably the reason that he was here. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a Trey Lance show. It's going to be the Trey Lance show moving forward. Uh, he, he's going to be in a good position to, you know, go against a Texans defense that just doesn't match up very well with what the 49ers do. Uh, Lovey Smith is going to run the same coverage every stick and play, and that is going to bode well for a rookie quarterback. But I think it's going to be bigger than that, man. I think the real question is, like, how does Lance, a rookie, look in his third start in a must-win playoff game against the freaking Rams? That's what that's the real issue here. But, yeah, the, the relationship as far as Shanahan and Garoppolo goes, it just doesn't seem like they're on the same page. And even Shanahan, uh, he was he, it seemed like he was going out of his way to make it to downplay the injury where we had the national reporters like Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter come out and say, like, it's a pretty big deal. And Shannon was like, nope, just a sprain. He'll be fine. Throw some water on it. But yeah, it, it's odd just how everything's playing out, how the story's unfolding. Um, just, just another day of drama in the 49ers land. And this is, I, I don't want to step on your toes because this is a, you know, reporting from, you know, 49er sources. This is more like league scouting sources, but during the offseason, there was a lot of talk about Kyle Shanahan thought Jimmy Garoppolo could have played through that injury last season, right? And that he was kind of putting some of that blame of not making the playoffs after making a Super Bowl where Jimmy Garoppolo had a shot to win the game, you know, if he would have thrown that ball correctly. And then the whole Justin Fields thing, like him not being a part of the conversation um, for that 49ers draft pick, and that it might have been because he was missing practice due to seizures and then the whole 
was it because of seizures or not because of seizures? And then Kyle Shanahan kind of taking that as it doesn't matter because he's not at practice and availability is the thing that I value the most. Um, seems like there's a little bit of an unhealthy uh, relationship with availability and Kyle Shanahan at the quarterback position at that point after these three data points over the past like 12 months, right? Yeah, it's tough, man. And when they, when they talk about Lance, it always comes back to he's there, he's coachable, he listens. So knowing what we know about, you know, Shanahan and Garoppolo and then how he spins it, how he always comes back to Lance, I'm, I'm sure that there, that plays a big part about it. And yeah, just to your point, as far as last season, yeah, he, uh, I don't think he made it any secret that, you know, he wanted Jimmy to play through it. But again, um, it just one of the strangest relationships you, you can find for a quarterback and a, and a head coach. Usually they're on the same page in public, but Jimmy today, he said, yeah, I feel very confident that I can play. And like, he used the word definitely. Whereas Shanahan's like, yeah, he might go out there. He hasn't he hasn't thrown since Latin, since the Titans game. So for him to like, he had his thumb taped and everything. So for him to just come out and say like, I feel definitely like it, I'm definitely going to play. I feel confident in it. It's just not adding up. One plus one isn't equaling two in Santa Clara. I kind of feel like Kyle Shanahan just has an unhealthy relationship with all of his players in some way <laughs> because it seems like it's we've had this conversation multiple times this year, whether it's Jimmy G, whether it's the way they're using Trey Lance, whether it's Brandon Ayuk getting no snaps or whatever, or Trey Sermon getting drafted in the second round and just not getting any playing time ever. Like it, it just seems like he finds these things to to hold grudges about and hold against players. And it's, it's just weird. It's just a weird way to, to treat your players when you're looking to get the best out of them and win big matchups. Like if you're the 49ers and I understand that this isn't the thought process, like the thought process is go win, go win. Like we can get in the right situation in the playoffs and go on a run, but like, Trey Lance is your future. So if you think you can get in the playoffs this season, but you're kind of like, well, I don't know if we're a Super Bowl team this year. Like, wouldn't it make more sense to get Trey Lance that experience than keep trotting Jimmy G out there when you know he's just not going to be back next season? Yeah, and that's part of the reason where a lot of a lot of folks wanted him to just start from week one because this is a one-year reclamation project for a 30-year-old quarterback who you know probably is not going to make it throughout the season. And if he does, he's probably not going to do enough to put you over the top as a quarterback. Um, we just talked about him trying to test it out. So he just walked off the practice field. So all of this was for him not to even practice. So like, what are we really doing here, man? Just a, just a wild soap opera of the day, man. We'll uh, see how it plays out this weekend. Uh, I'm excited to maybe watch Trey Lance take on the Houston Texans. The Kansas City Chiefs absolutely dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday from start to finish. I think that it was the chiefs most complete football game of the season. And we can get into that train wreck. That is the Steelers offense a little bit. If you guys want to, it's the most unwatchable offense I, I think I've ever seen in, in the NFL. And that includes this year's Jacksonville Jaguars with Laquan Treadwell and LaVisca Chenault and some of those guys. But my biggest takeaway from this game was, you know, obviously the Chiefs have won eight games in a row and they're back in the one seat in the AFC and they're looking impressive. They're playing consistent, sound defense, getting after the quarterback, doing all of that stuff. And the offense is starting to come along. The biggest thing for me was, and TJ Watt was on a snap count. I understand he was playing through injury. Their offensive line looked good in this game uh, against, you know, a, a defensive player of the year candidate who's got 17 and a half sacks. 
And it looked good enough to where like Mahomes shorthanded, no Travis Kelsey, who was on the COVID-19 list. Tyreek Hill only played a handful of snaps really in this game because they said that COVID hit him really hard and he was really winded and struggling to keep up. And Mahomes just went out there and balled. Like he looked like the Mahomes that I feel like we've been kind of chasing all season where it's like, he just goes out there, buys time, gets outside the pocket, makes plays or like, is just keeping his eyes downfield. And it it was really the first time all season that I felt like I saw that Mahomes where I was like, okay, that's that's the dude I've been looking for all year. And I don't know if it was because it was against the Steelers or if they've truly taken that that big step forward, but it's hard to argue that the Chiefs are clearly the best team in the AFC at the moment. I don't think anybody else is close. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit last week where they just have the fewest blemishes, right? So even when their offense takes off as it did last week, they're still relying on like Brian Pringle to, or whatever his first name is Pringle to catch the ball. And that is a roller coaster. That's not always going to happen, but they still have Tyreek Hill. Um, they, they're going to have Travis Kelsey. CH, I don't know. That one run he had, I know he's not going to play, but he did have a, you know, an actual promising run, which I know Chiefs fans have not seen that in a long, long time, if ever. But I think the real story, just as we talked about, like their defense is like legit now. They are for real. So there's not this pressure for the offense to score 40 points. So when they do, when they look, the Chiefs offense looks like they like we're used to seeing, um, they look really freaking good. So, yeah, I'd say they're the best team. We, we've kind of seen this unfold the past couple of weeks, and it was only a matter of time, I think, before they put together a complete game. And, and they did that. But again, how much of that was the Chiefs being the Chiefs and how much of that was the Steelers not being able to do anything ever on offense because of, oh boy, man, um, I've, I hate this for Najee Harris because whenever you can take screenshots of him, like he'll, he'll have a run off to the left and there will be like three defenders by him and the offensive line has nowhere near him. Like he just doesn't really stand a chance there, man. And it sucks because they, they have Claypool, they have Harris, they have Deontay Johnson, who is like a promising wide receiver. Unfortunately, the quarterback position matters a lot more than these positions that I just named. So uh, it, with Big Ben under center, man, it, they're just not accomplishing much of anything. So the Chiefs right now on DraftKings are plus 175 to win the AFC. The two seed very well might be the Tennessee Titans um, against all odds after this like mid to late season collapse that they've had. Um, and they're at plus 850. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. This this is the Chiefs division. Someone's going to have to beat them on the road. I don't know if any of these teams can. Like New England, Indianapolis, probably even Tennessee at this point have quarterback issues. Baltimore can't stop anyone from passing. The Chargers can't stop anyone from running. The Bengals are just, to me, a very average team. I, I understand they put up a lot of points against, you know, the Ravens' backup corners. But, like, and then Buffalo can't run. So, the Chiefs by far are the most – they're like the only complete team in the AFC. Would you say like – looking at the NFC, right, I think Packers, Bucks, Rams, Cowboys are better than any team other than the Chiefs in the AFC. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. comfortable. Yeah. So four of the five best teams in football are in the NFC at the very least. All right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Congrats, Steve. I think that's totally fair to say. Uh, yeah, well, I think we'll learn something this week uh, about the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I do agree with you. Like, they're a really fun, young football team, but I, I still think that team is a year away. Like, I, I don't think they're in the same class with the Kansas City Chiefs right now. 
So I, I think we'll figure some stuff out about them in that matchup on Sunday. But I do want to talk about the Buffalo Bills for a second because, you know, we've talked about them a lot on this podcast. You know, they're kind of soft up front. You know, you can run on the Bills a little bit. They also can't run. So they put themselves in situations offensively where, you know, they become one dimensional and they just only throw the football. But I have been really impressed with Josh Allen the last couple of weeks. You know, they needed that game against the New England Patriots and they got it and they played well overall as a team. But like even in that loss to the Bucks, where they were getting dominated in the first half and then Josh Allen kind of willed them back himself in the second half. Like I've been seeing a lot more of of that Josh Allen that I think we had all season last year, these last couple of weeks. Then whereas like early in the season, it kind of felt like he had taken a step back towards like what we expected from him having the accuracy issues, decision-making stuff like that. And these last couple of weeks, it, it feels like Josh Allen is kind of turning things on. So like, I'm, I'm kind of t- talking myself into like the Buffalo bills being a little bit more of a problem just because I don't trust anybody else in the AFC. I think if you're team variants, that's what you need to beat the chiefs, right? You need a, a team that can score like the bills who have, you know, one of the best receivers have Emmanuel. Emmanuel Sanders have Dawson Knox and then you have a Josh Allen a guy who can go throw for throw with Mahomes the the only issue is he's going to have those plays where he misses somebody as we saw wide open on the very next play he comes back and throws across his body and makes a throw that nobody should probably make but it's complete and it's third down and and he goes for a first down so it works out I think with Josh Allen it's funny to me that um we always say when he plays well oh people counted him out uh, people said this about him. No, he wasn't playing well. Like we, it's okay to talk about when things happen. Like football is fluid, man, and we have to understand that. So go back and watch him at Wyoming and tell me the things that you saw that you liked. Go back earlier in the season where it seemed like he reverted to the quarterback back in college where he was just making the same type of mistakes. As of late, it seems like he's doing a better job of playing on time, I think playing within the system. Of course, he's going to have that hero ball mentality in him no matter what he does, because that's who he is. And you probably don't want to change that too much because that allows him to make plays outside of structure. But I mean, I think it's we have to talk about him in the light. Like when he plays well, he plays well. He plays very well. And we talk about that. But we can't ignore the poor play that, you know, that's led to the Bills losing to the Jaguars, for example. Like there's a reason that this happens. I think that just going back to my original point. It's easy to talk yourself into this team and knowing what they can do on offense still like, and Justice made this point too, the lack of physicality, not being able to run the ball, not having an identity like in the playoffs, like that's going to matter. It didn't show up against the Patriots because, you know, the game script didn't allow that to, but what happens when, you know, they're not able to go out and score 25, 28, 30 points, like you're going to have to be able to get stops and I'm not so sure that's going to be able to happen or, you know, when it comes to third and two, second and two, whatever, are they going to be able to run the ball? You're base essentially what they do is they, they give the ball to Singletary and hope he makes three guys miss, which he's very good at, by the way. I don't want to say that he's not, but that's not a recipe for success. The Buffalo Bills had 51 rushing yards by the running backs this past week. They were never down in the game. They were only tied for a very small amount of time. Like my worries about this Buffalo team still not being able to run the ball, that's that's not really going away. Um, Mac Jones has been a very efficient quarterback up until this point in the season. He went 14 of 32 and and took a sack. Um, Isaiah McKenzie basically had as many receiving yards as Mac Jones had had passing yards in this game. 
I, I don't think that's going to happen all the time. That's not going to happen consistently. That's probably not where you're going to get in the playoffs. I mean, Mac Jones might be the worst playoff quarterback in terms of the AFC and NFC, just talent-wise. So, like, okay, you beat the Pats, but I, I don't know. That's not really doing it for me when we're talking about the AFC and it's Kansas City's the only real team that you can, like, measure up to in terms of, like, going, like, toe-to-toe and being, like, an actual contender that could be an NFC team. So what happens if the Bills play the Colts in the playoffs? Because as of right now, they're the four. That'd be bison. fun. Yeah, That'd be like, fun. That's what Carson, we Carson see, right? Wentz will win a playoff game. Oh, could you imagine Wentz beating Josh <laughs> Allen? It takes. Oh, Ooh-wee. good God! The, oh man, or Philip Rivers? You know they're hey. calling Philip Rivers now. I I do want to talk about the Patriots for a quick second here. Uh, New England, obviously, two weeks ago, they were the number one seed in the AFC. And now after back-to-back losses, they've fallen all the way down to the sixth seed, which I feel like that's like a proper placement for the Patriots. Like, I was starting to believe in them a little bit, just defensively. They don't make mistakes because there was no separation in the AFC at all. But like, as we get later in the season, you would expect these teams to start ramping things up a little bit because that's generally what we see every season. So, you know, a rookie quarterback who's never been through the grind of like trying to get into an NFL postseason and then the way teams make adjustments and play football games in the playoffs, like we should have all expected this from Mac Jones, right? Like he was always going to be the thing that got this New England Patriots team exposed in some way. Yeah, and he's a rookie quarterback. I feel like we have to remember that. And he's a rookie yeah. quarterback without the physical tools that a Trevor Lawrence, that a Justin Fields, that a Trey Lance has. So you can over he can only overcome so much. I think he does some really nice things in the pocket. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're gonna have to be able to throw the ball down the field. He had some plays against the Bills where you can just tell he's not comfortable pushing the ball down the field. Whether that's because of the weapons that they have, he doesn't have an Isaiah McKenzie in his back pocket to do that too. Um, but still. You can tell it's he's been pretty consistent in that regard. And that's just I mean, that's the reason why the Patriots are the sixth seed right now. Um, I think I still think that their defense is really special. I still think that they're going to be able to get stops in the playoffs like when it matters. So it's only a matter of like, will Mac Jones be able to keep them on schedule and, you know, be able to turn a couple possessions into touchdowns that would normally be field goals. Yeah, and let's be real careful about doubting the Pats going into this last two weeks of the season. They're playing the Jags at home and then in Miami. I, I they they might be able to put just the absolute clamps on on Tua and Trevor in these last two weeks and be able to make a half decent playoff run. I don't think that they have the firepower still to be able to come out of the AFC, but they, they could upset someone. They could make some fans very very mad on Wild Card or Divisional Weekend. Which is what we talked about a couple months ago. I feel like like this is the team that will probably win the first round in the playoffs and then probably just get bounced the next game. But uh, who's the team that, I guess, if we're looking at the AFC teams, which team doesn't want to see the Patriots? Because Chargers. The Titans? Chargers. Oh, that's a good point. Chargers right. is terrible. So they're going to Char- run all over them. <laughs> yes. We've already seen the matchup, too. And, yeah, it, it, it will just be bad. The Chargers don't have anyone who could stop anyone on the defensive line. I saw their defensive tackle, their nose tackle, like jump set and just like watch a run go past him for like five yards. It's it's bad. The Chargers Rex, need new defensive tackles. Like Rex Burkhead went for like one forty last week. <laughs> two terrible, <laughs> terrible man. I started him in fantasy because I was <laughs> and he was playing the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers are definitely the matchup there. Uh, we we talked about the Bengals 
for, for a quick second and they went absolutely nuts against the Baltimore Ravens. But we do have to remember here, like Joe Burrow threw for 525 passing yards was absolutely insane. T Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, everybody had monster games, but the Ravens had had to activate 11 practice squad players to participate in this football game. So it's not as if the Ravens were trotting their, their A team defense out there, which is why I, I feel like some of the takes this week around Joe Burrow, while I think he's been fantastic and I think he's an excellent quarterback, like we could slow down a little bit because the Bengals have shown us this this season, like this offensive explosiveness, and then played terrible football games the following week. Like they're just a young football team with slightly questionable decision making in Zach Taylor, but they're really fun. Slightly questionable. <laughs> So yeah, I I enjoy watching the Bengals, but I don't think for a second the Bengals are all of a sudden like catapulting themselves up the AFC or something this year. He's not a good coach, and I hate saying this, but they are held back by him. They they could they should be so much better on offense. They should be so much more creative. I don't think they have the body types on defense to get you know enough stops. Yeah, they have two good pass rushers, um, but still, it comes back to Zach Taylor, and I I think. I think the mindset isn't there. I think, you know, how we talk about coaches or players take on the personality of their coach. You can see that when you watch the Titans, like Mike, that is a Mike Vrabel coach team. The Bengals, they come off as like a soft team, a softer team. I don't think they make the playoffs, honestly. I think that they lose their final two games. Um, it's been a great story because Joe Burrow is fun to watch and he is he does like to push the ball down the field and he has weapons, but I just don't believe in the Bengals. Um, I think they're going to be on the outside looking in, man. I mean, the, the Burrow Chase connection is very fun. But outside of that, there's really nothing that worries me about Cincinnati, you know, kind of moving forward. I, I will say, Joe does have some swagger to him. And it was very funny in the postgame presser to see him in the Santa hat and them asking him, like, hey, were you thinking about them saying you're not a Hall of Famer yet? You know, you don't deserve a gold jacket yet when you were throwing for over 500. He just, like, looks and, like, smirks. He's like, he maybe. Up. Maybe. Yeah, he loves it. I, I do love Burrow's confidence. The Krusty Krab sweater, the Santa hat, all of it. He's great. He's a fun guy. He's he's going to be fun moving forward. It's just I don't think this Bengals team is that good. I mean, they they need some – they need playmakers on the defensive side. I don't know if they, they have one. I know everyone looks at Hendrickson's sack numbers, but, like, watch, watch the film. Watch the yeah, film. <laughs> yeah, I think that – if they they need to invest heavily in the offensive line this offseason, too. And I think if they do that, then they'll be a popular like preseason pick next year to to be a team that's going to make a like significant jump. But I don't think they're there this year. I think the Chiefs pass rush is going to eat that offensive line alive this weekend. But let's take a quick time out. Uh, when we get back, we need to take a look at those Los Angeles Chargers and what exactly happened to the Houston Texans and how they can get in the playoffs. Cause I think I speak for the entire show when I say I want to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs and not to us. So we'll talk about that when we get back, when we get back on NFL university. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back to NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. and Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. The Los Angeles Chargers, uh, dealing with a COVID outbreak, as a lot of teams were last week, were pretty shorthanded against the Houston Texans. It's still not an excuse to lose to the Houston Texans and let Rex Burkhead run all over you, as we talked about before the break. It was just a bad football game for the Chargers. And I I think that I had a little bit too much faith in the Chargers for them to be so inconsistent this late in the season. But you understand that, like, they're missing some of their major playmakers and they do still have like a lack of playmakers at times. So when they're shorthanded, it makes everybody look bad and you get embarrassed by the Houston Texans. But for a good playoff run, for a good AFC postseason, we need the Chargers in the playoffs. So I am rooting for the Chargers to win out and find a way to get in because right now they are not in the playoffs if it ended today. I think we see them in the playoffs eventually. I think they're going to snag that last spot. So, I again, the only reason I say this is because I've gone through 10,000 simulators on the ESPN's thing. So um, I think it's going to be the Chiefs get the bye. I think the Titans are going to end up with a two seed, which is so stupid to say out loud because there's no reason that they should be the two seed in any conference. But here we are. So I think it's going to be the Titans against the Chargers. I think we're going to have a rematch rematch. So the third uh, meeting between the Bills and the Patriots has a three and six seed. And then I think the Browns get the fourth seed and the Colts get the fifth seed. But back to the Chargers, not just Herbert. So, like, they have one of the best players on defense, too, in Derwin James. So the fact that they have two of the better players at their position on both sides of the ball, you would think that would be, you know, watchable to get in. Of course, um, they have Keenan Allen, some guys that are fun to watch, Joey Bosa, of course. Um, It goes back to, like, the Bengals, though. You would rather watch – you would – I think you – even after talking about their running defense, the Chargers can score. So knowing that and knowing that they wouldn't be held down by just one person or the other, uh, that's why I think that that they will make it eventually. I, I think they get in. I just, again, we've been talking about this all year. After that, what was it, the Cowboys-Ravens-Patriots stretch where it was just like, oh, they just can't stop the run. And if you can run well, like you're just going to turn them into like road rash, you know? Um, I, I still worry about them in the playoffs, especially in the AFC where you end up getting – teams like the Colts, teams like the Pats, even beyond the Chiefs that can like keep up with you, you know, in terms in in a shootout type of situation. The other thing too is like everyone's talking about, you know, all these skill guys who are out for the Chargers. That's that that's fine. I understand that. What's that got to do with allowing the Houston Texans to score 41 points on you? Yeah, but no. Th- this team has problems. It's had problems since week 1. Um, they got they got to do whatever it needs to take to uh, draft that Jordan Davis, that nose tackle out of Georgia <laughs> in this upcoming draft. 
um, sign a free agent, something. We'll see who's in the free agent class in terms of defensive tackles. They got they got to make a difference there because at the end of the day, defensive football, I think, in my opinion, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, a lot of it honestly is just skill level. Um, scheme looks great when you have great players. Like it's a little bit different than offense where like operation time like matters so much and stuff like that. You think Staley is getting this Chargers head coaching job if he didn't have Ramsey on defense, if he didn't have Aaron Donald on defense? No, like get real. The Chargers need some difference makers up front. Um, Joey Bosa can only do so much for him. I mean, the Cardinals are a great example of that. Look at their numbers when J.J. Watt was on the field, like were unbelievable. Like they were one of the best, if not the best defense in the NFL. And then as soon as he left, everything went down the drain. So, yeah, players do matter. And I imagine if we look at on both sides of the ball, whether it's offense, whether it's defense, the teams with the best players are usually at the top of the league. Just to emphasize how bad the Chargers run defense is, Rex Burkhead had been active in seven games prior to that contest on Sunday. He had not rushed for more than 41 yards in a single appearance, and he rushed for 149 yards in two touchdowns against the Chargers. That's a 31-year-old Rex Burkhead. He, he did that to the Los Angeles Chargers. So he could be facing, like Derrick Henry might come back for the playoffs. So that two versus seven matchup. Hey, Chargers, congrats on making it. Here's Derrick Henry, who's fresh, hasn't <laughs> oh, played in man. a couple months. Go get him. Nightmare. Nightmare. Oh, he might go for 300. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's yeah, that's that's a bad circumstance for the Chargers. The Miami Dolphins have won seven in a row, and they currently are in that final seven seven spot in the AFC. I just don't want to see the Dolphins. I understand, like, credit to Brian Flores, and this team started one and seven. You win seven games in a row. You're eight and seven. Tua's gotten better, but I'm I'm sorry. I'm not here for the Tua non crowd. Like, I just don't want to see the Miami Dolphins in the playoffs. Like, credit to their defense. It has really turned things around compared to the way they were playing early in the season. But that offense is just not fun, and I feel like if they get it in the playoffs, they're just going to get crushed by whoever they play. Who are they going to beat that's good? First of all, who have they beat that's good? Because against the Saints, against a team that was down both of their starting offensive tackles, against a team that was playing a fourth-round fourth rookie quarterback who had never taken a snap in the NFL, the Dolphins were only three-point favorites, man. That tells you all you need to know about Miami. So the teams that they beat, they just beat the Saints 20-3. to They beat the Jets. They beat the Giants. They beat the Panthers. They beat the Jets again. They beat the Ravens on a short week. They beat the Texans. Like This is not a real football team. It's great. Hey, Miami fans, congrats on winning all these games in a row. You are the wonderful. You're going to be a great team to talk about this offseason. Hopefully you get another quarterback because that's what it's going to take for us to take you seriously. Um, It sucks because like Jalen Waddell is a very good player. I think he is their wide receiver one. I think they, they have some things to figure out, and it's not all in two. I think they – I mean, their offensive line has to be better. They need an actual running back that should be on an NFL roster. Their defense is fun. I think their defense has a chance to be good, but they can only hold down opposing offenses for so long. I think how they're built on defense would require you to score more, far more points than they actually do, and they just can't do it right now. There's a half-decent chance that this Miami Patriots game in week 18 ends up getting flexed to that Sunday night game, right? Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, Tua playing in for a game and then, you know, Mac Jones playing in for a game at the end of the season. And I don't think that that's going to break the same way it did in week 1, which is probably their best win, honestly. Patriot, you know, winning in Foxborough in week 1. Um Baltimore 
that game was weird because Baltimore left so much on the like they left so much on the field. Um, you could see them just like dropping wide open slants. I mean, Hollywood Brown dropped uh, that screen pass and then just yeah. decided like I'm done for the season. He's just like <laughs> not getting anything anymore. Um, so yeah, I just this feels like one of the fakest seven win runs I've ever seen as an NFL fan. But whatever. I mean, if you get a punch a ticket in and you want to be excited about losing a uh, wild card game on the road, then that's who who am I to dissuade you? That's the problem. I think they will be excited about losing a wild card game because <laughs> they're the Dolphins and they just want to be in the playoffs. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys whew, absolutely smoked the Washington football team on Sunday night football and. I, I feel like we've been talking about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's struggles a little bit over the last few weeks on this show specifically. And this game kind of felt like it was coming, right? Like this Cowboys offense was going to put it all together. Finally, the defense that's been exceptional at creating turnovers all season long was going to run into a quarterback like Taylor Heineke. And it was just going to be a massacre, which is basically just all that it was on Sunday night. Like Dallas, Looks like they're as talented as any team in the NFL and like they could put put on a show in the postseason in the right matchup. Yeah, we, we kind of hinted at, you know, them breaking out last week just because they've been so close, so close, so close. And finally, I mean, they ran into a team that allowed them to break out, but they I don't want to say that they're, you know, 40, 50 point performances every game type of good but they are very dangerous and I would be terrified of playing Dallas, especially at home in the playoffs, knowing that, you know, Dak's probably going to be healthy. Their weapons on the outside. There's just no way to slow them down. You're essentially hoping that Dak messes up and he is a computer. Like he does not make those type of mistakes that you want, you know, in a younger rookie quarterback type of to make. So um, defensively too, like they're fast. You can probably still get over on their secondary but you're also relying on you're going to be able to hold up against their pass rush and their speed that they have up front. So, I, man, they, I, I still think the Bucks are better. I still think the Packers are better, but the Cowboys are like right there and and they are a very serious team. So we're just talking about like the best teams in the NFL, they are certainly top five. For sure. Um, my thought on this game, we need to like financially incentivize teams going for the records. Because they don't want to go for the records. And I feel like this Dallas team could have broken like whatever record they wanted against Washington. When Cooper Rush comes off the bench and throws like a 50-yard like stop route to Malik Turner because the Washington team just seems simply does not want to be on the field anymore. There should be some sort of incentive to keep Dak out there and just like <laughs> piling on points to make a point on these guys. Like, do we have to like make it a workaround on the CBA where it's like, hey, if we break the record, a scoring record, a passing yards record, a rushing yards record, everyone gets a million dollars on the team. Like, what do we have to do? I want to see it happen because there's no other reason for that game to be nationally televised other than to see them get the doors blown out on them because they, the Washington team very obviously didn't want to be there anymore. I'm so in favor of that. Like, because there was a point in this game where I was like, oh, they're going to put up 70. Like the team, the defensive line was throwing punches at each other, man. Like, yeah. come on. We, we're trying to watch this for entertainment somehow. Like, is Cooper Rush just, like, handing the ball off any fun to you? It wasn't to me. I'm always going to Lambeau, divisional round. What is that line? Packers by five and a half. Wow. And they cover because Mike McCarthy. Whoa. Steve, not, you, 
Do you think it'd be a two possession game? No, because that's essentially what he's saying. Like no. the Packers are going to beat the Cowboys by a They're touchdown. Gonna beat They're going to beat them. I, I, you guys are all underrating Mike McCarthy. <laughs> KP, I can this promise you su- this that's summer not the case. you were asking us who the best quarterback See, again, in the NFC, not, NFC East was going to be because because Mike McCarthy and now you've completely flipped on this. In no um, way did any of the words that I said made made it sound like I am pro Mike McCarthy. <laughs> that is not the takeaway Mike, that you Mike have McCarthy here. isn't winning a road game. Period. That is fair. I'm just in the, saying in it, the playoffs, it's not happening. Based on what I've seen from this team in December, knowing that they've been close to knocking on the door, no, sure they did it against Washington, but. I just don't see them losing by more than like 24-20 against Valley. Yeah. Hey, that's you that's watch, where I'm at. You watch. You watch. <laughs> you watch. I, There's going to be some like end of half situation in the first half where like Mike McCarthy ends up like giving the Packers the ball twice and you're like, "Wait, what? How did that happen?" <laughs> Look, it's Cliff speaking, speaking from somebody who has too much experience and too much pain to for this. So, yeah, I I don't disagree with you there. That's he he is known for those end of half blunder. Just poor clock management, and then he gives. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, the Packers got timeouts too, so they're gonna get the ball back." <laughs> Whoops. He's gonna kick a fifty-five yard field goal on like a fourth and two. Everyone's gonna scratch their head and be like, "What? This is a very like two thousand six move." And that's who McCarthy is, man. Two thousand six ass coach. Another NFC team that we've had our question marks about all season, and they kind of seem like they're floundering right now. It's the Arizona Cardinals. They got beat up by a Colts team that was seriously shorthanded because of COVID-19. And I feel like every question mark that we've had about this Arizona Cardinals team all season is really starting to show up now. And, and I don't think that it has a lot to do with them missing DeAndre Hopkins. Like, love DeAndre Hopkins, totally special player. I, I don't think that him being out at this point in his career is the thing that's causing the Cardinals to lose football games. I think everything that we've talked about on this podcast, like they're – Emphasis on just being like Kyler, just go make plays and make things happen. And the question marks that they've had on defense, uh, especially after that early season injury to JJ Watt, like all that stuff's just showing up at the time that it matters. And I don't see how you can feel confident about this Cardinals team heading into the playoffs. Six and 16 record Kyler Murray from November through January at the NFL level. We talked about this last week. When we were uh, talking with our buddy Nate Tyson, you guys were all saying nice things about the Arizona Cardinals. And I was like, hold up. Let's talk about Kyler Murray. Um, (laughs) He gets banged up. They lose one guy a year and then it ends up making a huge difference. Like Nuke not being there when you're playing. Hey, Kyler, go scramble around. Find someone open. Like when when Nuke is out, I mean, that makes a huge difference. I just, I don't know, man. The the fact that uh, Cliff did that whole Oklahoma stare down still is funny to me where he was like, I'm. Kind of interested in the Oklahoma job, and then Oklahoma got filled, and he never got that extension. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals, like, ownership basically had a staring match with them, like, in public, and they ended up winning, I think. I don't know in what world, what universe you're living in, but we were not saying positive things about the Cardinals <laughs> last year. We were saying, yeah, Kyler was making plays, but last – is it fair to say that Kyler was outplayed by Carson Wentz? I feel like that happened. I don't know if that's, you know, too hyperbole, too over the top, but I feel like when they needed him to, Wentz made a play, and that wasn't the case for the home team. Um, yeah, they they just look lifeless, man. They, I don't know if it's lack of motivation. You can't just blame it on Hopkins because it seems like every team is playing without a key player. He just so happens to be a lot of their offense, just of what they do. 
But, I mean, you couldn't get off the field against the Colts, man, against Carson Wentz, who it seemed like they had him bottled up. And for whatever reason, he'd make a throw, he'd run around, do something special. But for the Cardinals offense, like, what's going on there, man? They they just – something's off. And I don't know what – I don't know if Cliff just doesn't have another part of his sheet on the playbook that he doesn't know where to go to. He doesn't know how to make adjustments. But they just don't have a counter for anything. So it's – it's not surprising that this is happening. I get, I think the only thing that's surprising is that they lasted this long into the season. Like they got this far with like a double digit wins and they were able to get away with it. But some, they were the last undefeated up. team that felt yeah. so long ago. Right. And then, that doesn't even sound true. It was so long ago. Right. Yeah. Remember green Bay went into Arizona on a short week without their top three wide receivers. And then Russell Douglas, who came off of the Arizona practice squad made that interception at the end of the game and looked at the crowd and was like, I just ruined your streak. So yeah, man. I mean, this Cardinals team, I know on paper, like I'm sure a lot of the stats look good, but once JJ Watt is out, once nuke is out, once you look at like what Kyler has been since he's returned to the field, they, they get a whole lot less scary than their season long stats, you know? It does feel like it was so long ago that they were the last undefeated team in the NFL. Like, like, like I almost forgot about it. It feels like it was so long ago at this point. I think they're going to get Todd Bowles in the first round, man. That's not okay for them. <laughs> anyway, I don't think it's going to be pretty, man. Having to having Cliff his first playoff game on the road against Tom Brady. Yeah, he might he might have wished he went to Oklahoma after that, man. His old he, buddy Tom Brady. Right. He he was Brady's backup. Sure was. That's so long ago. That's crazy. We do have to talk about the Carolina Panthers, who announced today that Sam Darnold is going to be their starting quarterback this week. Um, so I guess no more quarterback rotation. It was fun while it lasted for a week, but not going to get to see that anymore, <laughs> I, I suppose. Uh, I guess, the, I mean, Sam Darnold, like it makes the most sense out of anybody that you can play for them over the last two games of the season. Just put him out there because you know you're not bringing Cam Newton back. Uh, you know P.J. Walker's not the answer. So let's just see what we got in Sam, and we'll figure it out next season because we don't really have much else to look forward to for the Panthers. What is there to look forward to, man? Poor D.J. Moore. What did he do to deserve this? <laughs> uh, quarterback musical chairs. I don't know if Rule knows what he's doing. He says it's working, so we have to trust him. We have to take him by his word. But they, I mean, there are Did you are, see the Cam comments? After the game? Oh, he's he had his back, right? He he was like, oh, man, like, it can't just be one guy. I don't want to say that, like, it's over and that I'm retiring, but it can't just be one guy. And it's like, oh, wow. Goodness gracious, man. Like, you fired your offensive coordinator on, what was it, like a Wednesday or Thursday? Like, during the bye, like, after the bye week. Um, doesn't seem like there's, <laughs> dude, there's no plan here. And. I'm getting the inkling that it's just Matt Rule just like flailing and just stealing money from ownership, basically, and trying to save his own butt for another season, man. Yeah, it, he's he's just in too deep. I feel like that's the best way to put it. Maybe he didn't know what he was getting himself into. It, and that's that's probably not fair to say. But based on the results, based on everything that we've seen from the quarterback decision, from the quarterback decisions, from how he's continuing to handle that, it just doesn't look like, you know, it, it almost seems like he's putting a bunch of things in a hat. He draws, he pulls it out and all right, we're going to go with this. This is what we're going to do from now on. I'm just bummed it ended like this for Cam. Like I, I was really excited for Cam coming back to the Panthers. Like I thought maybe he still had some juice in him and it just, 
it just didn't work. But I mean, we'll we'll remember all the all the special plays that Cam had for the Carolina Panthers. Not this season, because it's a forgettable one for the Panthers. And I, I I just have no idea what they're doing at the quarterback. They got a lot of things to figure out in Carolina. But thank you guys so much for listening to this week's edition of NFL University. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we're doing on the SB Nation NFL show. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you next week.